Hey everyone, David here, one of the two co-hosts of this podcast and your often erstwhile editor. Um, sorry about the delay getting this one done. Uh, Kayla was an absolute uh, genius and saved this one from being corrupted, so I want to really quickly extend thanks to her for essentially saving what uh, would have been three plus hours of recording from going down the train. Now, this is a much longer episode than normal. We got really, really enthusiastic about this movie, and we had a lot to discuss. So because of that, we're actually splitting this episode into two parts. What you're about to hear is the first part. Uh, the second part will be coming out shortly thereafter. You can probably find it right away on the same feed. So, uh, yeah, this is when I when we talk about this being a deep dive, we, we meant it. We all care a lot about this movie, uh, both Kayla, myself, and our guests, Angie and Sean. So, uh... Without further ado, I think we'll just put our scuba gear on and get into the ocean. Hello there, my friends. You're about to go under the sea. So, for your safety, remain seated with your hands, arms, feet, legs, flippers, and fins inside the clamshell. And remember, watch those kids, because they'll probably fall out and drown or something. So what the... That's the part I wanted to add, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping you'd add, like, something about the podcast. Kids are stupid. This is an amusing. <laughs> this is a... <laughs> I'm Sebastian, clearly. Yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, hi. Welcome to less Trinidadian and more Martinique. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting to sound like I, Sarah. <laughs> Hello again, my esteemed friends. Um. To the temple of the Forbidden Eye, I, Sarah, shall now provide sa- safeguards for your miraculous journey. And there's a cat <laughs> now. There's a cat now. <laughs> Aww. Hey, so this is Anna Music, and we're we're making a big we're making a big splash this time around because guess what? Time for well, should we should we introduce ourselves first? This is David, and I'm Kayla. Hi, we have guests here too. <laughs> you guys are killing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm this glad. is obviously at least your fourth time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it works, we have the lovely Angie Viper. Hi, that's me. <laughs> and we have Alpha Wolf. Alpha Wolf. Dagrin. Oh. Yes, da- I love your 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 Spiderman. <laughs> your your your. Upper, upper East yeah, Side. He's trying to make it fancy Dagrin. when in actuality you're trash. Listen. <laughs> just because I don't unequip the diva skin. Because, shut up, alright? We call him Sean. Elf. Yeah, I'll, I'm just Sean. Hi, Sean. Sorry, I you told, <laughs> you told me before we recorded I had to call you that. <laughs> like, don't get on my... Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about the Little Mermaid, you guys. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off here. Are you? We okay? Are we? Are we? Did we do it? Well, little Mermaid and amusing's introduction. Yeah, this are is we, the Little Mermaid. <laughs> All right. Usually, what happens is usually what happens. So usually, the way we do. All right, this screw is, that. Here's okay. here's what's here's here's look. I I have felt strongly about this for a while. Okay. And okay. and I just kind of I never had a chance to discuss this, and I'm sure this this might be old news to a lot of people. I, I just when I when you told me that I was gonna be on specifically discussing this, I was like, this is perfect. I've been wanting to rewatch The Little Mermaid and think about this and analyze this one specific thing. 
for me, and it it, it it was the perfect excuse. So on our rewatch, I watched very carefully for the part where Ariel had to give up her voice to get the thing that she wanted, and the damnedest thing, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what happened in the movie at all. And and I'm going to say it again. No, that is not what the movie is about. She didn't give up her voice, because as a woman, you have to give up your voice to get what you want, and all men care about. All Eric did the whole time was go, no, that girl with the voice... I want the voice. Hey, hot chick who's naked on the beach, are you the girl with the voice? No, it's not you. I want the girl with the voice. So if I hear one more time that this whole movie is about how modern feminists have to not have doors held open for them or some stupid thing about giving up your integrity and your 75 cents in the workplace, I'm, I'm going to lose my damn mind because that's not what the movie is about. So that's it. Good night. Thank you. I'm Alpha Wolf Dagger. And <laughs> so that was wonderful. Uh, okay. Oh my god. No, this is this is important. I this am, is a great no, no, way. Yeah, yeah, I am really glad that you brought that up because it is like it's a it's it doesn't a happen. Heavy, it's a heavy conversation point in a lot of like feminist arguments about Disney movies recently and blah 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 and a bunch of like Disney actresses straight up came out and, and were like my kids will never watch The Little Mermaid because yeah. it sends bad images bad messages about having to give up your voice in order to get a man and blah 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 and I have always maintained since I was a kid the thing that Eric loves about Ariel is her voice it's literally the whole plot of the movie I don't know the how thing you miss it loves about her is her we're, voice. we're going to get into full detail. We are, yeah, we are, we are, we are right up. We're like Listen, diving in deep. David and yeah, Kayla have like talking points wonderful. and their notepads and their pros, as you heard at the introduction. Yeah, we're clearly, <laughs> but I we're came in like a bull in a cup. Like this has been on my mind for like a decade. No, uh, what's I, I think that that's going to be the. You should main... see the wreckage of this china shop around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be be the main point. I think that'll pop up. But first off. This movie—it's <laughs> very so, pretty. This movie defined yeah. a generation. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give a history, like a little bit. Of yeah, history. this is. Yeah, we, we gotta get, gotta get back to the order. Gotta get back to, to the, the order. Oh my god. Ugh. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Kayla, to sort us all out. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Kayla. The You're chaos welcome. that Sean and I bring. I have. <laughs> no, no, no. I, have, I love. I love that. That. So, no, I love that. That's the way we start because I want that to be. Because there's so much we can talk about with this movie. That's because all this movie people want. An impact on so many it people did. in our generation, yeah. in particular. And, like, and just to no. sorry, just to piggyback on that, there are so many. Th- I don't know what happened in the college years or whatever. There are so many things about the Little Mermaid, but that's all people want to talk about now. Well, she had to give her. They're so no, they're, smart with their metaphors and their it, symbology and okay. Sh- no, <laughs> guys. Okay, first off, we just finished watching this movie all together and. Wow, it is a lot. It really is. Like I okay. <laughs> this is going to be a long episode. Yes. I can tell you right now. I mean, so are you making Kayla give up her voice <laughs> so you can say your points? No, no, Sean, I married. That's her. what this podcast is about. I, That's I married it. her because of her voice. That's the there's point. no other. There's no That's other. That's the point, point Sean. <laughs> That's uh, the point. This is I agree funny. with you. <laughs> to be no, fair, it doesn't matter. You invited me on as a guest, so I you knew automatically no, your we episode knew. was going to be at least Actually, twice the length that normally No, and I'm happy about this. This is going to be an impassioned discussion. No, you so, know, you so, know so, what? Actually, I hope you brought your floaties, kids. I think the way to begin this is... 
what how what is our relationship with this movie? I want to. We, yeah, let's start with that before okay. we do the history. I'll, yeah. I'll respectively, you know, we should pass the talking sticker on because yeah. like, <laughs> we don't have yeah. one for real. Yeah, that's it, that's very interesting. I think. We yeah, what, like, what's your relationship with this movie? Like, clearly, we've all seen it multiple times, but like, did you grow up with it? I know you did. I I can't let's, wait to hear let's your. Start, I don't have yeah, a talking sticker. Let's start on this start. end and work our way around. Yeah, let's start okay. with Sean. Uh, well, I apologize. This I'll try and not be my normal long-winded self, but... No, be yourself. It's Because fine. I could talk about, like, my relationship with Disney in general. I think it's a little different than... Because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, this movie, yeah, I remember I was wearing the blue cardigan, and I sat in the fourth row. That, like, <laughs> like, I definitely like Disney movies. I had this discussion with myself a little while ago when one of your friends was up, Andrew, um... Allie, you know, one of your 13 friends named Allie. Um, <laughs> and I realized, I was like, wow, you know, I'm actually not that big of a Disney, like, veteran fan. The earliest movie that I remember, like, Disneying out on was when my whole family went to Beauty and the Beast. And even then, I was like, what's going on? There's, like, a girl. There's no explosions. This is whatever. <laughs> so, The Little Mermaid, i pretty sure I definitely did not see in theaters... And like many kids of the time, you know, when everyone had their, like, pile of VHS tapes with the, like, cardboard sleeves missing and, you know, and it, it just, it was just, like, one of those things that was on in the background. And my relationship, to fast forward to now, my relationship with the movie is probably, and, and not to... Not to say, like, oh, I'm ashamed of this, or, like, I, I just wish I had a more interesting, more individual story to tell, is is Angie, actually. She just talked about it a lot, and in that way I could go, oh, cool, like, here's an excuse to, like, reintroduce myself back into, like, some of the older stuff. Because, like, for me, earliest stuff I remember was, like, um, I'm a, like trailers for Aladdin, the Disney oh, Channel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember Goofy was talking about like, oh, here's a sneak peek of the upcoming Aladdin. <laughs> like I was, and like that's not a half bad Goofy. Yeah. And sure. so <laughs> there was there was that, and uh, we saw the Lion King. Uh, mm -hmm. The whole family went to that, but yeah, Little Mermaid, unfortunately, kind of was off my radar for a while. And, uh, yeah, I, I am, I'm a, I'm a little sad I don't have, like, a more, like, a better story. All my, my good stories are, like, with Angie, she'll probably, we can talk about how she, she dragged me to when, uh, Glenn Keane did a Aww. presentation, and I, I was like, oh, this, it was, it was great, though, because it was, like, it was a good excuse for me to go, you know what, I've been wanting to, like, see this movie and, like, remember it as an adult, because how many movies have we seen as kids? Right. And then yeah. we go, I don't really remember that, I just remember it being on. So that's kind of The <laughs> Little Mermaid for me. To be fair, uh, I did not own this movie. Oh, really? As a child. No, this is one of the few I did not own. So I didn't watch it that often. I enjoyed it, but I think I enjoyed it more watching it now than I, like, ever have. Just in this yes. last viewing session, because I, I can read a lot more into it. I can appreciate the, um, the art of the, you know, the animation a lot more. And um, I know distinctly that I did enjoy the movie as a kid, because I remember... Actually, the one time I ever asked my mom to buy me a doll of something was I was very young. Was I wanted to get an Ariel and Eric because really? there was some commercial Aww. that convinced me to get them, and I used to like throw them in bathtubs <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, yes, back to your home environment, you two. <laughs> I was very young. 
That, <laughs> I, I very distinctly remember that because, and my mom did not shame me for that. That's really did cool. not shame me for that at all. Was totally cool. Yeah, you can get those things, and I'm cool. The only two like quote unquote dolls I owned, you know, like like proper Barbie Ken esque so dolls. So cute. So yeah, I've never told this story anywhere before. <laughs> so so you're welcome. But yeah, my relationship with this movie is not like as deep, but like I can I really really genuinely like appreciate it and, I, and there's parts of it that really do ha, really have stuck with me through the years and um and you know i was gonna say and kind of wait, wait, echoed off you uh one of the reasons i wanted to do this podcast with kayla is a we want an opportunity to watch all these together but b it's like sort of i'm sort of reevaluating where i stand with disney in general i totally get that because yeah. i'm more like my love of disney comes more from the theme parks i'm a theme park person i like yeah. the i like the immersive experiences and i like the like the original Stuff that's not tied to movies is in the parks, like the, the the haunted mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Matterhorn, I guess. Like I mean, <laughs> just anything that's not specifically tied to a intellectual property. Journey of Imagination with Fiddle. Oh my God! Don't remind me. <laughs> I, I never got to experience the original. And it breaks my heart, but I looked it up later, it's and so it's good. everything I've ever wanted it's in an attraction. Really so retroactively, I am the biggest fan of Figment and the Dreamfinder <laughs> and the Dreamfinder. Figment most importantly. Is best. Boy, I love him. Aww. He should still. He is still kind of the mascot of Epcot, a little yeah. bit, isn't he? Well, and he should be there more. They've they've been sort of bringing him. back. Good. Hopefully, this is a sign that someday they'll put Journey into Imagination back to the way it was, I would, that's or do a, re, a complete reimagining of it so it has that whimsical. Anyway, we could go on about so I could that. talk about Figment forever. We should but... do a side episode <laughs> talking yeah. with 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 us talking about Figment because my God, do I love Figment. He's. <laughs> but the little mermaid is the little mermaid. Yeah. Yes. So, so anyway, so so I I guess it's like me sort of understanding why these movies some of these movies stuck with me and maybe why some more than others. And this uh I I and, you know I I I get it now. I like really get it now with, mm-hmm. with this one, why it resonates, why it is it has the acclaim it does. And it's not that I didn't before, but it's like it finally sunk in this viewing. And I don't know why it was this viewing that took it, but I think I was just watching it and I was there was a moment, there were a few moments where I was genuinely like kind of mesmerized by yeah. the animation and by what was happening and and as we've been discussing kind of in little bits and pieces and what the discussion I'm so looking forward to because there's a lot in this movie to unpack. And that surprises me yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit. Kayla. Okay. So Little Mermaid, it, I, and I mentioned this a bit more, Little Mermaid came out uh, officially worldwide November 17th, 1989. Kayla Berry, my, or Kayla King, sorry, new name. Uh, Kayla. At the time you were Kayla Berry. Yes. I was born November 17th, 1989. This is the first movie I had ever seen in my entire life. Really? Yes. I can't, I couldn't tell you what that was for me, and, so. No, my parents told me this, they're like, no, it came out, we went to see it in theaters, you were, the, like, li- this little girl, and apparently, when I was a kid, like, little Kayla, like, one-year-old Kayla, two-year-old Kayla, was obsessed with this movie. So obsessed, um, at night, like, when I couldn't get to sleep, I'm like, I just wanted to watch this movie, and, uh, like, I would watch the whole v- VHS, I would cry, my parents would wake up, have to rewind the whole VHS, and I would just sit there, <laughs> just deadpan, watching it all the way through, and then cry again. And apparently, I broke that tape. That ta- I broke the Little Mermaid tape, because I watched it too many times as a kid. <laughs> so cute. Yes. Uh, as, I love you. Thank you. As an adult, um, like, uh, I, or as I got older, 
she kind of faded for me um, as a character because she wasn't someone I could really relate to. Um, but, uh, and I, I think I, the last time I had watched this was when I was like 18, 19 years old. Um, and I, I don't know, like at that time, for some reason I was just like, it's okay. I don't know why I thought at 18 or 19, I thought, oh, it's okay. Um, you were going through a teenage phase, yeah, which yeah. is what we're going to talk about a lot. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but I, I knew, but the thing is, I still... Like, watching this, like, I remember all the beats. I remember all the lines. But then this viewing, though, really stuck out to me. So, um, I mean, that's my connection with that movie. So... Well, you told me earlier, you, you had, and you, like you said, you haven't watched this since you were 18, 19, right? No, the like, one so thing, although the one thing I do have, and I, we could bring this up. So, um, I don't have the tape anymore, but I kept the clamshell. On the, on the cover of the VHS is a, the castle, and the <laughs> castle spire looks like an <laughs> That, I looked it up, that is not intentional. The person who did that didn't, just was drawing, didn't even think about it, and apparently, it wasn't until someone from his, like, church group, by the way, yes. <laughs> his church group, called him and they're like, you know this uh, picture you drew? Um, there's a phallic symbol in this. Amazing. <laughs> there's a fun fact for you. But Angie. <laughs> Angie. Sorry. <laughs> Your turn. I just had to bring that up. But I still have that. So, yes, I still have that clamshell because I need to have that in That's my life. That's wonderful. I tried. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure The Little Mermaid was one of the first movies that I saw when I was a kid. Um, I honestly don't super remember. I was about three when the movie came out. I was born in 86. But I uh, I remember being very connected to it. Um, you know, I, I was always really into animated movies, so any new cartoon that came out, my parents would take us to go see, and I would become obsessed with, and I would get all the dolls and all the toys and blah, 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 blah. Um, but there was there was something about Ariel when I was a kid that I was just really, really drawn to. You know, I, I loved I loved swimming. Uh, I loved being in the water. I loved swimming like a mermaid and pretending I was a mermaid like every little girl, you know, <laughs> from my generation. <laughs> um... But I, the, the older that I got, the more I sort of started to realize these like little correlations between, um, her story and, and things in my own life and relationships in my own life and, and actions that I had taken. Um, and I, I honestly, I don't know if, if those connections are because I grew up watching her and watching her movie and sort of like took on some of her personality or if that's who I was and I just, saw myself in her. You know, because when you're that young, you, you don't really know. Right. No, no. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, my dad is a natural redhead and I was, I've always been a daddy's girl. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my dad is just the coolest person in the entire world. I love Aww. him so much. I, I have so much respect for him and I, I have always aspired to be like him. He was strong and confident and independent and didn't take nonsense from anybody. And, you know, he was firm and he was strict and I hated him sometimes because he would lay down the law, but I always respected him. Um, and I've always had a connection to redheads for that reason, because <laughs> I see my dad in them. Um, and I was always really bitter that like my sister got like strawberry blonde hair, but I got like mousy brown hair, like my mom. So 
obviously I liked Ariel because she was a redhead, and in my mind, Triton was a redhead before he went gray. So. And actually, that has been proven. That he uh, yes, <laughs> with the the prequel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, also, in the animated series too, I think that there was a point where he oh, became younger, yeah. and he it showed him as a redhead as well. Um, so my my head was that Triton was a redhead, and my dad was graying. So I like I saw my dad in Triton, and I saw our relationship in their relationship, how they they butted heads, but it was because they cared so much about each other. And as I grew up, I reached that, like, teenage phase where I was like, oh, Disney movies, those are for babies. But The Little Mermaid still always stuck with me. You know, I I still had artwork. My dad bought me um, an original cell from the reprise of Part of Your World for my 16th birthday. And I I cried. I cried like a little and I'm sorry for cursing. That's okay. It was so emotional. He wrote a little message on the back about like following my dreams and being who I wanted to be. And it's... That's beautiful. It's... So special to me because he knew how much that character meant to me, and it was a representation of how far I had come and, and whatnot. And I, I could talk for hours about you know how how connected I am to her, and of course now like Elsa is my thing, and I I connect with her so strongly. But Ariel to me is a representation of of who I was when I was younger and my mm-hmm. relationship with my father. And because my relationship with my father is so strong, that is like, that's the important thing to me in The Little Mermaid. Dang. It's not the love story. It's not Eric. It's her growth of her story with her father. Her father. I'm, yeah. oh my God, I'm really looking I, for I can't make this. <laughs> so, I mean, we already, I feel like we, we got some chunk of the history, but like, I want to know more. Okay. So, so that's, that, that's, this, that's, that's beautiful. beautiful. I know. That's beautiful. I, I, I knew you had to go last because I knew you were, yeah. I was like, oh man, yeah, I don't, I'm sure you guys didn't notice because we were all watching the movie, but the, the scene that gets me every time is, I love you, daddy. Oh, I saw that, yeah. well, I saw that, I, I saw that at the end, I actually looked in your direction and you were just like, yeah, I was, I was holding it back as good as I could, you know, because I'm an adult now. Yeah. But, like, that moment where they hug and you see the tears in her eyes and she says, I love you, Daddy, for, like, the first time in the movie, she says, I love you. It's Aww. like... It's Aww. just... It's a beautiful moment to me. Yeah. And that's a good... And also, it's the last line of the movie, too, so it's like... Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> the history. This actually was planned to be uh, an earlier film. Like, uh, there, like it was going to be one of Walt's earlier films, like, in the 1930s, uh, as a package film. Uh, <laughs> yes. It was going to be a package film. But it would be all of uh, Hans Christian Andersen's stories. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Luckily, that was shelved. Uh, well, not. But it was they bit... did do the little match girl later. They did. And they did the steadfast tin soldier in Fantasia two thousand. Oh, yes. yes, yeah, they did. And then, of course, we're gonna have y'all back for uh, for Frozen. Frozen. <gasps> yes, the, the Snow, Snow Queen. Queen. The Snow Queen. Oh my gosh, your two favorite Disney movies yeah. are both Hans Christian Andersen. I, lo- I grew up loving Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales too. Okay. So it's it's very rounded for me. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys didn't know, just. For your information, The Little Mermaid is based off the uh, children's story by Hans Christian Andersen. Same title. In case, for those who did not know, I'm being kind. Um, So in 1985, uh, Ron Clements actually became interested in the story of The Little Mermaid. And um, at this time, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberger had one of those like, all right, just tell me what story, give, give me ideas, anything, come on, present it. And he would just shoot it down or say it's great. Uh, so Ron Clements uh, had, like, a two-page idea, like, here, here's my two-page idea. And Katzenberg is like, 
I don't like it um, because at that time the studio was in the development on their sequel for Splash. <laughs> so I, I, I love this. that movie. It is a great movie. Splash, and I forgot. Like I was thinking, like Splash, and I was like, "Oh, what? Right, that's done by Touchstone." Next day, though, he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll let you work work in the development stages." And um, this was definitely thank you for not being super petty about this one, Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> he, yeah, his. <clears throat> I, I'm not going. Uh, Ron Clemenson, uh, John Musker, who they're they're going to do a lot of stuff together. We're, we're getting, we're starting to, here, here's the thing, we're starting to get our dynamic duo thing set up here with Clemens and Musker. Yeah. Which is I really mean, the, cool. the Little Mermaid really was sort of like the start of the skyrocket into yes. the Right, right. So eventually they uh, expanded it into like a 20 page draft, but then um, that kept, the problem was Little Mermaid kept being put to the side for like the other projects, like, um, as happens regularly. Yeah, uh, like Oliver and company and such. And, um, Howard Ashman um, in 1987 became involved and actually uh, more so like with the writing and development. If you didn't notice, Ron Clements and Howard Ashman were listed as producers. I feel like this was more their baby more than like, even though like they had their partners, Alan Menken and um, John Musker involved, but yeah. I feel like Ron Clements and Howard, Howard Ashman. Ashman. Yeah. No, that makes sense because based on what I saw in the credits, I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. You know? Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. Howard Ashman um, already had contributed a song to Oliver and Company, but then he's like, yeah, I would like to help out with Little Mermaid. And uh, a lot of the, so there were a lot of ideas already coming about. Um, one of them being like Ursula was going to be uh, Triton's sister. Uh, they were actually going to originally have, um, originally Sebastian was supposed to be Clarence, the English butler crab. No. <laughs> uh, awful. Luckily, Howard Ashman suggested, why don't we make him um, uh, Jamaican slash Trinidadian crab and actually shifted the music style to reflect this. Get it like more of a Calypso thing yeah. going on. And then also because Howard Ashman took more control, if you haven't noticed, the story format is more Broadway style. This actually is a Broadway style oh. story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It is it follows that act structure perfectly. Like even the song sequences are tent poles. Like every act, like act has like here's a here's a song to reflect what's going on. Mm-hmm. That didn't really exist. And this is where the format really gets locked in for the next like yeah. ten or so years. You know, and, it, and every movie and it's that still, and they it's put still... out that follows that formula is extremely successful. Mm-hmm. I. I... I'll choose now to interject. I know we'll talk about this later, but I remember, and I'll, I'll have more to say at the time, but I remember just hearing through the grapevine, because I'm not like a musical guy, um, but just when Frozen came out, like one of the talking points that just kind of made its way from the news to me was, oh yeah, well this animated movie, uh, they have like Broadway writers on it and it's going to be very broadway like you know back in the old days like little mermaid and i remembered to pay attention to that like mm-hmm. you know tangled and princess and the frog and i i can't rattle them off right now but like they yeah like because you mentioned just now david like oh yeah for the next 10 years that was their format and then that kind of flittered away and it then did. frozen kind of came back and it's like broadway show uh, animated movie, and now of course they're making the Broadway show yeah. of Frozen, <laughs> and, and, and the said, style is abruptly changed, and it's and it was very successful. Like the next really successful Disney movie after Frozen was Moana, yeah, mm-hmm. which was Lin Manuel Miranda, yes. who uh, who's an he's incredibly famous. successful Broadway. He's had two writer. Tony Award winning musicals, yeah. 
in the Heights and yeah. uh, May Hamilton. Are so you listening, Disney? Yes. <laughs> for, for some reason, Howard Ashman, well, not for some reason, but like uh, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, uh, their claim to fame for a musical is actually Little Shop of Horrors. That's their, um, that was their project. And, right. Which, if you haven't seen it, it is not a Disney movie, I can assure you. That is. Oh. I love it. I love that. It's so good. It's, it is. It's, it's, it's great. It's phenomenal. Um, so it's interesting to see that shift. It, it's great. Yeah. Um, so, just letting you know, early in production, Jeffrey Katzenberg. <sighs> <laughs> That's all you have to say. He, Jeffrey Katzenberg. He, ca- uh. he cautioned the staff, like the people working on Little Mermaid, that this was going to be a girls' fr- film, and it will probably make less money than Oliver and Company, what? which at that time had been Disney's biggest animated Promote box office. Promote that man. Yeah, he... he mm, big, uh, uh, it was... Oliver Guess where Katzenberg now is now DreamWorks, or was he even still there? Uh, I don't even know if Katzenberg. What is he doing these days? I, you know, I think he's still at DreamWorks. Is he still at DreamWorks? I think so. Okay. I, I, I haven't looked into that. I'm just, I'm saying that in a disparaging way because I'm Listen, not. Anyway, I'm going to take a second to just remind listeners that you should all watch Waking Sleep Beauty. I that's actually something I've been wanting to talk about with David that like we should watch that and maybe review that like as a as an Amusing Plus. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. Amusing after a good documentary. <laughs> like that is something worth watching. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he was saying it's going to make less money than Oliver and Company, which at that time was Disney's biggest animated box office success in the past decade. But then as they were working on the film more, and then actually more resources was being put into this, like not only were, did they have Burbank uh, animators working on it, they had Florida animators working on it. Like it grew Mm -hmm. and Katzenberg was convinced that Little Mermaid would be a hit. And he's like, Oh my gosh, this is going to earn over a hundred million dollars. It's going to be a blockbuster film. You uh, changed your tune, yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah, after he saw Jeffrey, it. you changed your tune, Jeffrey. <laughs> I got that. Uh, Thank you. So the budget was forty million for this. Wow. Here's another fun fact to go with this whole animation history, since it is an animation podcast. Okay. First off, this came out November seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine. There was also another movie that came out November seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine. That was All Dogs Go to Heaven. <laughs> That was another large part of my life. Yeah, Ooh. and that was a Don Blue film. Yeah. By the way, by the, right after he like very aggressively left the studio, oh and took, yeah, like half of their animators with him. Yes, that's another thing too. Oh Bo- Don, uh, Donnie. By the way, the year before that, <laughs> Oliver and Company came out the exact same time as Land Before Time. Oh my god! And I now didn't know that, and now a year later, it's Little Mermaid. Versus all dogs go to heaven. And then his next movie was Thumbelina, right? Which utilized Jody. No, 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 no. It was not Thumbelina. It was a Rockadoodle. Was it Rockadoodle? And that doesn't. And that that was like years after that. That was like 1993. Um, He took a while because I I know he he used Jody Benson as the voice of Thumbelina, and it's like so clear that it's just. Savage. Yeah. (laughs) So. He was so bitter. Just just letting you know. um, uh, uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, their budget was $13.8 million. But. And so there's like two animated films head to head. Mm -hmm. Little Mermaid earned $84.4 million at the North American box office. Alone. Wow. And it fell. Which. Katzenberg was like, it's going to be over $100 million, but. It earned still 64 more percent than Oliver and Company and was, like, the highest gross in its initial run. And then they re-released it in 1997 
uh, same day as when An- Anastasia came out, but <laughs> like there, yeah, yeah. Well, like, race between Disney and Don Bluth is just. Oh no! It's, I, it's so good. When it got re-released, it brought in another twenty-seven point two million. But I should also let you know, outside of United States and Canada, it earned a hundred and twenty-three million in box offices altogether, making two hundred and thirty-three million dollars. That's Little Mermaid, or all that's Little heaven. Mermaid. All dogs go to heaven. Only made twenty-seven point one million. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Don. Poor Don. Oh, yeah. Donnie. Also, it got a sequel. It also, got a theatrical sequel where yeah, that's Little Mermaid a, did not. Many years later. Many years later. Yeah. Uh, by the way, they also won two Academy Awards. Mm. They now past Disney movies had um, been nominated and actually um, uh, for Disney Academy Awards, but it wasn't. It last time they had won something was The Rescuers. So the fact oh, that... Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That was 1977. Yeah. So, like, like years pass, and then they finally win. And not just one, but two. And uh, that's for Best Original Song, which is part of your world, and Best Original Score. So... Which it deserves. Deserves, it. deserves. Oh, my gosh. So... Score is so good. Now I think we can dive into... Okay! <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So, let me tell you what the movie's not about. <laughs> Anyway. It opens up with a ship. There was a, a ship! Uh, it opens up, uh, you get to see Eric and uh, Grimsby. Uh, Eric is, you got Prince Eric Grimsby on a ship and they're sailing. And by the way, uh, Grimsby <laughs> is voiced by Ben Wright. And um, this would be Ben Wright's final film. Um, he really, he passed away four months after the movie was released. Aww. But here's the funny part. He also voiced Roger in 101 Dalmatians and Rama in The Jungle really? Book. They didn't have any idea until later, and he said, oh, by the way, <laughs> I'm also a Disney voice veteran. Yeah. <laughs> funny. So, yeah, um, he had already voiced a lot of Disney people at that point, so I thought that was really cool. <clears throat> and, so yeah, I, I like that the movie starts out, you know, with, with things that we relate to, we can connect with. Yeah. You know, it's... It's a boat, and there's pretty images of dolphins swimming and, like, humans. Yeah. It starts out in our world and then takes us into this new world that we've never been to before. And I I think, for me, I think the fact that it starts on the boat with humans is what makes that moment that we talked about before we watched the movie where you see a mermaid for the first time. You have that... That magical music swell and a merman swims across the screen is so striking. I know. Right. Because you you started out with things that you're very familiar with. And then all of a sudden you're in this magical world and just, you're, yep. you're just in it. You see the castle for the first time, like all of that By the way, the, magic animation, right the animation for this is insanely gorgeous and wow like yeah i mean this is underwater they're, they're animating scenes that are underwater mm-hmm. yeah so everything's got to have bubbles and be floaty and sometimes have that like <laughs> wavy quality to it and um yeah like disney's done underwater stuff before and really impressively but man this takes the cake yeah and really. this was still like before computer animation was really I mean, a it, norm. Like, I think it was kind of sort of beginning to be developed. They, like, well, that first shot of the ship coming across is, like, that early sort of CG that they've, like, cel-shaded, painted over. And I actually thought that was really cool, because this is back when they're still using it as a tool to enhance animation that's already there. Because they... We'd seen it in The Great Mouse Detective with the gears. We saw it with Sykes' car in um, mm-hmm. Oliver and Company. So I think it actually looks really it, they good. They did it extremely poorly in The Black Cauldron. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. Yeah, I even remember. though if you rewatch that, you're gonna. It, it <coughs> is <Black> so. <laughs> Can I just say too? I like the way that we transition from the ship to the ocean initially because it's just a fish, uh, a live fish that yes. the sailors have caught. The sailors are explaining to Eric and Grimsby, "Oh, King Triton and the Mer people," and then. The fish gets away, falls over, lands in the water, and then breathe. You see the fish is sentient. It breathes a sigh of relief. Yeah. Yeah. We both laughed at that. What We're like, <gasps> I, I like about that, and I noticed on this viewing, um, I was I spent the last like three minutes trying to figure out how to say this, and, but I'm, I'm still failing. But like, so if you watch. If if you were like me growing up and you watched just a ton of um, Tex Avery cartoons yes. and, and, I mean, at that age, you're not comparing animation styles. Like, Tom and Jerry might as well be uh, Wile E. Coyote. And, yeah. And, it's, and Scooby-Doo is the same. You notice things, <laughs> you don't, you don't you notice see, things like the Flintstones no. running through the same two rooms, like, forever and not knowing why. But there was... There, you know, I, you, I could launch into a whole thing about, like, TV animation budgets were different, so the animations mm-hmm. were stiffer and blah, blah, blah. Right. But, like, right. but the point is, in, in the Disney kind of era of, of everything, um, 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 you know, they didn't, there was really no wasted frames. No. And, yes. and, 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 of course, we could talk about principles of animation and squash and stretch and everything, but that's, that's not what I'm saying. Like, they... Uh, they wanted to give personality to things, and th- this is all. Any anybody who knows anything about animation knows, like, well, of course, you make the faces expressive, and you have to overcompensate and and follow through and, and all that stuff. But like the fact that that deckhand, who we like never see again, and he was just like, haha, and he's like throwing fish, and they're they they're just background nonsense things that are flopping around and to you, the audience, who is just like, oh yeah, it's like fish, like ha ha ha. Like, they could have very easily and animators today, and animators at the time even, they didn't even bother they wouldn't animate flopping fish around, but they right. they chose to do that and like, like I said, no wasted space, no wasted frames, and then all of a sudden this not important background thing becomes our introduction into this whole entire other universe that we didn't even know was going to yeah. be. And you were like, oh, okay, I wasn't paying attention to this fish at all. Right? right? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm completely with you. It's like it's like Chekhov's fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fish ends up in the water. We have a nice... It's a way to transition from the above to the below. Mm-hmm. And then we follow that fish through the, the, the beautiful, like, seascapes until we get to the moment when we see our first person, like you with said. the swelling music. It's so... Yeah. Mm. And, we, but, and then we see a bunch of mer people, and then we see Triton's palace, and we yeah. see that everybody's gathering there, and fish and um, mer people alike, and it's just the the way everything flows is mm-hmm. wonderful. Like, one it's of my like the tide reveals of a Disney castle <laughs> yeah. where you like you have that little pinhole of light, yes, and it just gets bigger and bigger until the screen flares and there's a castle just shining and ahead of you, and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful like it looks like melted gold just sitting in the middle of the bottom of the ocean yeah it really stands out because it's surrounded by all the cool blues and greens yeah exactly like oh the backgrounds are so gorgeous i'm i'm, I'm so on about the background oh, i still yet so in my opinion um as i've said in previous episodes <laughs> some of the best backgrounds in disney movies are like lady and the tramp the Jungle Book. Oh, um, yeah. Things like that. But this is up there with those. Oh, like, the backgrounds are just exquisite. Um, coming up here is one of our, our, our sections of backgrounds I really enjoy, but I'll, I'll, I'll point those out as we go. Um, we get to the palace, and there's a big thing going on. Big concert. Yeah. 
Lots of people there. Get the really tiny little seahorse with the little frilled collar. Do we know that character's name? Because he's adorable. I have no idea if he even has a name, but he's... I was about to say Horatio, but that's Sebastian's name. He's announcing... Sebastian has like 14... (laughs) Horatio Ignatius something something. Um, He announces Triton, which is great. We get Triton's entrance, which is rad. He comes in. So, like, extravagant and, like... Regal. So, by the way, um, because uh, I, the voice cast for this is amazing. Oh yeah. Um, King Triton is voiced by Kenneth Mars, which I was excited <laughs> to learn. He voice he was uh, in the producers as Franz Liebkin, uh, the Nazi writer. <laughs> so he wrote Springtime for Hitler. He did write. <laughs> some joy. That's a little like, oh, that's so cool. But um, then we get introduced Sebastian, who, he's introduced with a kazoo. By the way, uh, like, the, I, could you imagine, like, Howard Ashman or Alan Menken going <laughs> with a <the> kazoo? <laughs> <laughs> it's like plastic kazoo. I like how he's being pulled in by his own little entourage. He's just yeah. a tiny version of what Triton did. Triton yeah. had, a, had a really rad entrance with the Triton shooting off yes. sparks and the dolphins pulling his, like, to me, Shell. It's, it's very indicative of, of like, Sebastian's ego. Yes. Like, how he sees himself. <laughs> yeah. Because he goes out of his way to, like, push his little chariot to get in line with Triton. Yeah. Like, there's a little moment where he's like, go, 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 and then is, like, right up next to Triton, like... Yes, <laughs> I am. I am here. Yes, I am friends with the king. Hello, <laughs> thank you. It is established at this point that he's the royal composer. That's his whole yeah. That's thing. his title, and that makes he's a he's got a pretty privileged position in the court, despite just being the composer. But I guess music is really music must be really important. Well, in I, I, I suppose to Triton, it might be. One of yeah, the, one of the things we actually kind of confirmed is there is a friendship between. Sebastian and Triton, that they do have a great dynamic, and we kind of wonder, like, what do they do in their off time? What was their younger years like? Like, they <laughs> clearly hang out together. Do they roll up to the coral bar and, like, get a few? <laughs> I'm willing, I bet music was important to his wife. Oh, and that, it's actually yeah. in the prequel. I'm sure, I'm, I imagined you would say something, but without knowing, <laughs> I, yeah, there's no way. I only way. watched the prequel once. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking, here's but the it, thing. The queen used to, like, bring all of the mermaids up to the surface, and they would all sing together and make music. Like, it was very important yeah. to her. and plus And then she was killed by humans. She, of course. She dies in some kind of accident or so. I don't remember the exact yeah. details. Uh, no, it, but she dies because of humans, and Triton bans all music. He's like, no more music <laughs> oh, in my yeah, kingdom. Yeah, yeah. That's what killed my wife. Done. Which and doesn't... Sebastian opens up like an underground, like <coughs> that's the pro- plot of the movie. But like yeah, a speakeasy. Yeah. He opens up a speakeasy <laughs> where you can Starts go to listen jazz. to music. No, it literally is. He opens a, <laughs> that's a jazz fantastic. club. Fantastic! Does he like introduce people in. to his nightclub every night? Oh, <laughs> it's so it's the stupidest plot ever. But like, clubs, of course, Ariel gets in and becomes obsessed with music <laughs> and like. She and Sebastian bond over that. You sort of see a little bit more of, like, Sebastian's relationship with Triton. The fundamental things apply. To convince Triton to, like, bring music back. Like, maybe music isn't that bad. And Triton's like, no, no, no. And then, of course, the end of the movie, they realize that music is totally fine. And, like, Sebastian and Triton bond over that. And, like, bring music back to the kingdom. 
I, and that's interesting. Like, yeah, so it was humans that were bad, not music. So. Yeah, so he takes, yeah. It, takes a completely different yeah, lesson exactly. from that. <laughs> he still does it not very crazy about humans, as we learn later, but like... Music, he's cool. I try, to, I try to look at some of these in a vacuum. Like, I, I appreciate the context some of the prequels or sequels give sometimes, but like, the sequels undo my plummet counter entry for Lucifer in Cinderella... <laughs> Because you never see that cat again after he falls out of windows. I'm counting that as, as a fallen Disney death. I'm counting that. I don't care what people say. He's like, but he's there in the sequels. I'm like, sequels don't count on this podcast. That cat fell to his death. That's fair. Anyway, sorry, I care a lot, I was, I care a lot about my plummet counter. I was, they said that was established in the 90s. I was surmising based on just the Little Mermaid by itself. I'm, I'm in your court, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mermaids sing. Music is a thing. He's got and like 34 daughters that all sing. Right? <laughs> and his six daughters, are, that, like the whole Six daughters are, equals 34 daughters. Yeah, his six stars are performing. Uh, by the way, during uh, I can't I don't I forget which part, but like during the seniors, they added like a little uh, kind of like hidden Mickey thing where you can see Goofy Donald and Mickey kind of sitting in the uh, in the audience watching the. I believe I knew that and then forgot. Yeah. I didn't see them because I wasn't. I didn't think it, about that until very after the fact. Slight. You actually, yeah. it's like it's just a frame, basically. Uh, okay. Um, um, but yeah, they are singing and. They're about to introduce Ariel, and she's not there. Is this like Ariel's public introduction to the world? Because yes. like they're it's talking her about musical well, debut. It's her musical debut. Yeah, yeah, they specifically say that it's her musical debut. So uh, I have to assume she's been introduced to the public before, right? But this is her first time performing in one of these royal concerts that presumably happen very regularly uh-huh. because everyone is they have like a royal composer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, the music is very important. Well, that younger. probably that probably explains why Ariel doesn't think it's that big a deal. It's why she's out with Flounder in the uh, the ship Jim. graveyard. Yeah. That's yeah, a lot that, of ships. always confused me. Like, it's, I won't harp on it, but I'm like, this, this seems like a thing that you wouldn't but, forget the, about, but maybe the, that's a good point. Like, oh, you know, music. Daddy has concerts all the time. Why should I care about this yeah. one? No, that's Although, okay. wait, this is the Thank one where I was supposed that. to make a debut. Oh, no. No, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. But I do, going off of your point that it's a lot of ships in the ship graveyard, one of the things that I really like that comes into play later is um, Ariel and Triton have their fight. Right. 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 Um, where, you know, she demands, insists that she's 16 years old and she's not a child and storms out and he's very upset. And with a capital V, capital we go, U. We go into part of your world. We go up to the surface. Ariel sees Eric for the first time and a storm hits. Mm-hmm. Now, if we have set up that Triton controls the seas and the storms, presumably his emotions might have something to do with that. Interesting. Oh, I oh. So if we I put into play the, deep, like the ship mermaid. graveyard <laughs> is literally like, it's a few miles away from the castle where Triton lives. It would make sense that there would be a lot of ships if he is a very emotionally driven oh man. Oh, oh. Podcast over. <laughs> That's, that's dark because you here's the thing because the thing that, that that strikes me is when they when they go into that one wreck the one that's like really prominently displayed and I love I love shipwrecks just in general just the idea yeah, of yeah. like the sight we of them our wedding after we did but kind of because I love that idea but like when you see that first shipwreck and the light hits it from above like the yeah we were talking light, about the light it's so good it's, it's so good we was like, like <laughs> and this is, it's it's like 
it's like backgrounds like this, like with the ship graveyard that I want framed and put in my nautical themed room because yeah. it's perfect. I it's totally like, it looks get it. so good. And then of course they go. So, so it's Ariel and Flounder. We get Flounder here too. Yeah. They get the introduction of Flounder, who, by the way, I think is a great scream when he's panicking. Just the ah! <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, like a Macaulay Culkin scream. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like a budget Macaulay Culkin. No. It's a very, it's a very child scream because he is, he is supposed to be, I believe, a, a bit younger than her. Yeah, I think they never in fish years. Yeah, yeah, there's not really any like canon as far as I know of his like actual age, mm-hmm. but he is younger than she is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of love that he has like a very overreactive, like excessive scream. Yeah. He's very much a follower, and I kind of like that. I, I like their friendship, but like he's very much just kind of the sidekick. He's uh, very much the sidekick. Oh, he, just, he absolutely. He is. doesn't have much in the way of personality beyond being the sidekick. Let's yeah. be real about Flounder. He he is a Flounder. He's not even in the movie all that much. He, he, he really is, but he is. doesn't do much. He does some stuff. He appears but, like, more. Yeah, he than does the I mean, swimming at the end with the barrel, but like in terms of like. Your classic, like your your Mushu's or your uh, no mittens from Bolt, like obviously not that classic, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah I mean, some people yes though. Like Why? when you look at the 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 formulaic Hollywood formula, if you will, like yeah, there's I, I just remember reading about this in like screenwriting classes and yeah. this that and the other thing, like oh no, you can't have a sidekick unless they like give motivation to the. Main character to deserve the. I mean that that type of character arc or whatever that's reserved for Sebastian. Honestly, Flounder is just something there to be a supportive friend. I feel like he's there to cheer her on and help when he can. Also, Sebastian is there to sort of butt heads and challenge her to move forward. But I I also think, and here's another thought. there's moments where she is by herself, especially in the beginning, and I think they probably wanted the character for her to bounce off of because it does. That's true. It, it's it's probably e- like it, um, probably easier to be like, oh come on, like, and show her excitement for the ships, show her excitement to like explore, but it'd be weird just to, for her to talk to herself. That's true. No, it, that's a great point yeah. because his reluctance, Flounder's reluctance, was. Mm-hmm. Good in shaping Ariel's personality. Yeah, well, you see, Ella, Ariel's a good. You see Ar- the contrast of Ariel being a brave kind of go-getter who's like, I don't care if this is dangerous. This is fascinating. I want to go in there. Yeah. And he's just like, this is bad. This is bad. A shark will show up. Some timbers could fall yeah. us. Oh my god, a skeleton! Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it serves only for characterization, <laughs> forwarding the plot. I think. Mm-hmm. So it's, he's a little weaker in that regard. But no, it's fine. Yeah. I don't. I don't have a problem. That's your thing. I don't have a problem with Flounder because he serves a purpose. In the yeah, film. it does sort of forward her character development, yes. not we, so much the plot. We need her. We need him there to help her be established. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. for her to talk, like, or explain herself a little bit without like sounding like she's talking. Right. Herself. And the point I was going to make, go, roundabout, I got to Flounder was that you know Flounder sees a skeleton, and goes, "Oh no!" And then I'm like, "Oh yeah, people die in the <laughs> which, makes, which makes the whole theory about Triton's anger and moods causing this. I'm like. Yeah, that man's killed a bunch yeah. of people. <laughs> a bunch. Of I mean, people. he doesn't care. He's, he's pretty callous. As far as he's concerned, they killed his wife. But like, we get and we get that later on too because he's like, he could have drowned. He's like, well, that's one less person. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, try you go. Yeah, he's savage. Yeah. <laughs> so they find the 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 fork. 
Yes. That's the one thing. And she's like, oh my god, oh my god, it's a fork. Well, uh, she doesn't know yeah. what it is. A fork and a... And a a pilot, a snark lab. Uh, the, 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 I was a forgetting. Bulbous snark. Uh, it, it, a bulbous bouffant. And right? then they run into the biggest shark ever, and he just seems to change in size. Good night, Bruce. And he has addiction. <laughs> he seems to really like to eat wood because he keeps opening. Jumper, 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 jumper. It's like a Pac Man. He is very determined. <laughs> For all that, like. It's a bright yellow fish. He wants I to remember eat. when Finding Nemo came out. Not in Pixar, I know. But, like, there was just yeah. so much <clears throat> pomp and circumstance over, like, oh, they deserve so much praise. For how well they researched how fish move, and, blah, and then everybody and their mother wouldn't shut up about how like they brought in real lions for the <laughs> Lion King because they, they they just now thought to research the thing. The point being, they really nailed it when it came to references, and uh, yeah. the shark was. I don't even know what planet he was. He <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. would eat through entire. And then later on, the chef. Could like what did he chop through an entire cabinet yeah. with his like samurai sword of a? I, I feel like there's some mo- there's like these random moments and they're great, but like they're very cartoony moments. It's like oh, this shark moment is like cartoony moment. Yeah. Like and then eventually we'll get to the um uh the chef very cartoony moment very like mm-hmm. slapstick. It's like there's these great slapstick moments and the, the shark is there to be. Terrifying. And it, yeah. and it, 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 it is. Like, it, there is not a single moment where you think that shark is not going to eat them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's moments where you're like, oh god. Like, the, yeah. there really is. And like, yeah, as an adult, you can sit here and be like, that is not how any living creature works. But okay. <laughs> chomp, 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 chomp. But as a kid watching it, you're like, they gonna die. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and, and I think, uh, just a little side point, I think, too, yeah, as a kid, you think one thing. As you get older, and if you are interested in animation, and you study the things, and you go back to the Tex Avery's and the Scooby-Doo's, and you analyze those sorts of stuff, um, in the earlier Disney movies, you can tell that it's more about just seeing what they can do with a pen and paper. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, I remember watching Snow White for the first time as an adult, and I'm like, there is nothing happening here. Uh, it's yeah. just the dwarves dancing, and let's see, like, let's try this newfangled thing, animation. And then fast forward to now, and it's, of course, still about animation, and, and Rapunzel's hair, and the snow, and, like, what kind of cool stuff can we do? But it's, it's, it's a... It was, you can't see my hands listening, but like, it was about seeing what crazy crap we could do, and less and less and less and less of that, get to the Little Mermaid, like, oh yeah, let's have the shark fly through the, the little hole, the, the hook, and, you know, and it, like, cartoony moments, let's, let's ha- let's be fantastical and funny, because animation is a new thing, and then there's less of that, and then, like, the story comes out more and more, and mm-hmm. I, I think so. No, I, I, I feel that, definitely. <laughs> Like, um, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like they, we, we get that bit, and it's a good bit, and then they're like, we survive, and they swim off to go find, they swim to the surface to go find, uh, Scuttle. scuttle. We get... Okay, so, so I didn't know something, uh, so the Scuttle is voiced by Buddy Hackett, uh, for those who don't know Buddy Hackett, he was a comedian specifically in, like, the 60s, like, he was in The Music Man, he was in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, as well as The Love Bug. Oh, The yeah. Love Bug, Yeah. He was the guy in the back seat, right? Mm-hmm. Who got first place? Yeah, the... I'm, you're very correct. Yeah, because the joke was the the back half of the bug guy. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
What? I just pictured the so, love bug theme and it made me happy. <laughs> like, he... But like, okay, so you got Kenneth Mars, who's also a 1960s comedian. Was there like a thing where they're just like, oh, let's bring in these 1960s comedians? Well, remember when, remember in earlier movies, they're like, hey, let's just bring in all these people from Green Acres. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Bianca. Right? Yeah, like, um, you know, Evan, it, well, you had, like, you had, you had Ava Gabor. Yes. You had, um, oh my god, Pat Butram. Yeah. Was um, she voiced, uh, it, is it Bianca from yeah, the it's, Yeah, it's okay, yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah, there was a bunch of people that they just pulled, like, a couple like, people well, that were, like, they're consistently from Green Acres. Green Acres. Which is amazing. Well, I would, I would imagine so it it's, it's like not, the same mindset, right? It's like, not unlike... You know, like today, where you just, yeah, I agree. You know, the animators would design a character with someone in mind, like some person inspired them. And because they have Disney money, they're like, well, what if we just hired that person? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, again, the animators, a lot of these animators probably grew up in the 60s and like were fans of Buddy Hackett. So they're like, okay, let's bring in a. uh, That makes sense. You know? Yeah. Also, yeah, so they're like, I remember this person from my childhood, and they were great, and it'd be really cool if they were, like, in this movie that I'm working on. And basically, we have the opportunity to bring in Scuttle, Buddy Hackett. Let's bring in Bucky, Buddy Hackett. Basically, so. Scuttle is Buddy Hackett. Let's be Yeah, honest. he's just playing yeah. himself as a seagull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, giving bad information about human stuff, like yeah. the fork being a dinglehopper, which is what you comb your hair with. But his confidence, though. Man. I know, he yeah. says What was when, it you called him during that oh, part? Oh, he, he, he said just, he, was, uh, he, he could be instantly be the CEO of anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> he says it with such, like, conviction, like, or not conviction, but Oh, like, yeah, that's a dinglehop. No, there's, there's just no room to not believe what he says. Yeah. Even if you don't believe him, he'll just, he doesn't, he just knows how to not listen to you. <laughs> he, he just, like, no, this is what it is. It, yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, it, that's it's, what it's it like, is. It's like confidence and conviction, I don't think, are the word. It's like this controlled Hong Kong Fooey-esque falling, well, <laughs> just accidenting his way to yeah. the top. But he does. <laughs> You're absolutely but, right. Okay, but the way he says this, he wholeheartedly believes what he's saying. He believes it, but he knows it's not true because he's never heard it before. But, but there's no it. way he got that information because like it's not true. imagine that in this scene, had someone rolled up and been like, what are you talking about? That's a fork. He would have gone, no, 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 yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's called a fork now, but, you know, back when it was <laughs> yeah. called a dingle hopper, and it was, used, it was used to brush your hair, you know, but it's evolved now, and I, yeah. I don't know what humans are using it for now. It's probably something yeah. stupid, like, yeah. not combing their hair. But. <laughs> There's no way he got that information yeah, from yeah, no way. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's it, pulling it out of thin air. Yes. <laughs> Can I say, this is a little, this is a small little background detail that I like, but I love how... The, you know that this is right directly above the ship graveyard because the scuttle's hanging out in the crow's nest of a ship mm-hmm. that's like sticking out of the ocean oh, and led, right. wedged against this rock. Isn't that cool? This it's a neat oh, little detail. That's actually a cool. I yeah. didn't think about that. He just lives in this part of the ocean that has these like sharp rocks where ships go down and like you know that just... is a sharp rock place, isn't it? Like, it is because like I'm pretty really... sure I'm pretty sure this all the all the like surface to all the surface stuff happens near the coast of the kingdom where mm-hmm. Eric is. And it's all kind of in those general waters. Yeah, yeah. I feel like. So anyway. Uh so yeah, they uh Ariel's doing her thing with Scuttle, she gets the the, the dingle hopper, she gets the snarf blat, and the snarf blat reminds her, Oh crap, yeah. there's a thing I gotta do today. Oh, because he tells her the snarf blat is used to make music and when she hears she's like, Oh, 
the concert. Oh no! She's like, my daddy gonna be at it. He and he is because we cut to that and they're having a it. And Woody's and like, no. And smash cut to mm. Triton is in fact real pissed. Why can't you take this seriously, uh, Ariel? And uh, both Angie and I are like flashing back to like, oh my gosh, this is like teenage us like getting into arguments yeah. with our parents. Yeah, it's. I, it's something that I, I really love in... They do it a lot in The Little Mermaid, and, and obviously Frozen being a movie that I, I love very much, and I'm sure we'll talk about it when we talk about that episode. But, oh, yeah, we're bringing him on. Many Frozen. years later. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite parts in Frozen is, for the first time in forever, um, the reprise, specifically because I love how the two sisters are singing over each other, because it's such a... oh. It's such a strong representation to me of how someone feels when they're in that immers- yeah, emotional turmoil. I, okay, where that, people can try to reason with you and you just can't hear them because you're you're so caught up in your own thoughts and your own feelings. I I, I cannot wait to discuss it because that's actually my favorite song from. And the- I, it's it's beautiful. It's, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and I. I For that episode, it. I almost feel like Sean and I, I should go somewhere else and just let you two talk yeah, about it. But, oh gosh. Um, I sort of brought it up to Sean a little bit while we were watching the movie where in the... So I I got to see the show on Broadway when it when it was off Broadway. That's awesome. Um, and uh, one of the things that I really liked was they wrote a song for Triton in the scene where he finds Ariel in her her cave with Eric's statue. Oh, okay. Um, and it's very similar to that reprise of For the First Time in Forever, where the two of them are sort of singing over each other and clashing heads in this moment, and they're both so emotionally charged that they just can't hear each other. Mm. And I feel like you see that as well in this scene of the two of them arguing about the missed concert, where Triton is very upset about her shirking her responsibilities. He's very upset about her being interested in human things, which he finds very vile. And she is very frustrated because she doesn't understand why he won't listen to her and mm-hmm. why he can't see the beauty in these things that she does. It, and, and she's got the whole, I'm 16, daddy. I'm not a little girl thing, which is, of course started the trend that we kept talking about. Like, remember when you were 16 and you thought you could do anything because oh, yeah. you were 16? Oh, yeah, but yeah. you weren't because you were dumb. Yeah, I was, I was like uh, back at 16. I'm like, you are dumb, Kayla. I was an absolute idiot. And then, <laughs> but, then but then it's he says the words, he, when you live under my ocean, it's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, wow. He is kind of the king of the sea, so. Um, she is basically screwed forever. By the way, you know who we just, while she's running back, it doesn't smash cut. It cuts to Ursula. Oh, that's right. We forgot. We did get this. Oh, the yeah, bit. you're right. She's swimming back and she, Ursula. We do get so, to see Ursula for the first time. Ursula is amazing. Um, well, yeah, just, the, first the eyes, the yellow circle. Right. Right. First, we see Flotsam and Jetsam, her two eels, mm-hmm. who each have a, a glowing eye, and the eyes come together, and we get <laughs> Ursula's reveal. And yeah, I can't believe we so, didn't talk about that because it's Ursula. Urs- this is the first moment we see her. Just letting so you know, Ursula was based off a drag performer, um, specifically Divine, who was a. I, <laughs> was that the one that ate dog poo? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, that's all I know. Yeah. And Divine I wish was I didn't in a lot that. of John Waters films. John Waters casted Divine quite a bit. Um, but her personality and actually some of her actions were inspired by uh, Madame Medusa from The Rescuers. But specifically mm-hmm. in the look, because Ursula is this curvaceous, amazing woman. Like, by the way, I've noticed this. She just oozes sexiness. 
<laughs> is it just me? Oh, well, I think it's. it's, yes. it's I think there's. there's I, <laughs> here's the thing. I think her confidence and the way she yeah. carries herself she's, is inherently like charged. See, I want to challenge that and and not use the word confident again. Like was when I said with scuttle, I it's uh, resentment. It's oh. it's uh, it's 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 purposeful. It's it's like. Uh, weaponized <coughs> anger, you know, it, it's, mm. it's, her, her resentment has become the way she carries herself now. It's not, it's not that she is a person who resents things, it's that her personality just is became, yeah. So, wow. by the way, she is a character who was banished by King Triton. I, we don't actually know why. Did you see? I know you knew some of the original. Yeah, um, so the, the original story of the movie that was sort of, cut out and and never really answered um i i think they do they talk about it a little bit in the sequel but they talk about it a lot more in the broadway musical um triton and ursula were siblings they were both the children of poseidon mm-hmm. and uh, when he passed when he when he died or when he gave up the throne or whatever he gave triton the uh, the crown and the trident. He gave him the crown and the trident, and he gave Ursula a magic conch. And <laughs> Ursula was very... All hail the magic conch! Ursula was very bitter about this. Um, so she... I, I'm not 100% sure, because I haven't listened to the early songs from the show in a while, because they're boring, because they're just plot. <laughs> um, I can't remember if she tried to throw a coup and failed and was exiled... Or if she just left to plot her revenge. Hmm. I'm assuming it's more... Because the way they word it in this one is that she was banished. And clearly she was part of... uh, She was part of the court. Yeah, because she actually actually says, We used to have that wonderful parties when I was at the palace. Like, oh... For all we know, she could have had yeah, the whole evil advisor thing going on. Yeah. She was like a Jafar. But clearly she was part of the court and then got banished to go. Because yeah. all the kids need to know is yes. she was That's, part of and also, But there is... A, <clears throat> so there is a point where we kind of see that eerie people graveyard? Like, or, like... Oh, all her, like, the, 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 like, the weird... souls that she's, the, like... The, 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 the yeah. worm people. <laughs> like... That's the barnacle people that she's yeah. tricked. The barnacle That's people. That's horrifying. I really. Yeah. I like that the ocean is such a big place that like no one has really noticed that like that many people have been trapped. You know who by they them. probably are? All the people who died in the shipwrecks. Oh. Maybe it wasn't just King well, Triton. They, they, oh. they all turned to mermaids at the end. I was about to, yeah, she sang but, a song about helping but, mermaids. She makes so a, but she I makes a deal it. with them. Although but we don't actually see the garden, so it's possible what we didn't see was a bunch of humans we drowning. Maybe, maybe oh. all the humans drowned and she offered to save their lives by turning them into mermaids. There's, oh, there's that. That's a, quick, that's a quick way to do it. Yeah. That's a we do. She could. She could just have in her collection. I mean, she's she's clearly a, a, she's clearly got black magic on her side. She probably scours of shipwrecks and has collected. Maybe she's even collected the souls of drowned sailors. Oh, like, you know, man. like well, it's oh. huge. Like the, later on, when we see Ariel go through, it's like covered, and it's like, oh my gosh. Mm. Like, how did she collect that many... Her layer is massive. Yeah, how many mermaids are that stupid? (laughs) Quite a few. (laughs) I mean, these these are probably people she's captured over, like, decades, you know? Like, she's been busy for a while. She's been there for a while. And as we know, people do go to her with problems. And we get get that context later. But, like, right now, she's just like, hmm, 
a naive 16-year-old girl who's got like a rebellious streak. This might be a way to get back at Triton, but I don't know how quite yet, but I'm going to keep my, my, let my eels follow her. And I'm sure enough, they, I think they kind of bear witness to this. They must be kind of bearing witness to this argument and between Triton and... Yeah, I mean, I I think we're at this point meant to assume that they are following her everywhere she yes. goes. Right. Now, so wanna... even though we didn't necessarily see it, they probably saw that argument. They probably saw her scene in in her cavern. Oh, yeah. Worlds. We get to go... Because uh, after the argument, we get to follow her into the cavern. Oh, wait. But quick, Triton... real quick, Triton says, listen, I I need someone to... Because he has a little conversation with his old buddy, Sebastian. And Sebastian's doing the whole thing about we need to keep an eye on, you know, teenagers. Yeah. Give them an inch, they swim all over you. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, he's like, if I were me, I would keep an eye out and I would not let her on my sight. And he's like, hmm, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. And so he he makes Sebastian sort of follow her. Her and, babysitter. And report. Yeah. Even if He's supposed to be kind of doing it in secret. Um, I just want to make... good at his job. Oh my gosh, we're... We're gonna. We're not that far into the movie, and we're so far. Yeah, um, I know. Can I say I can't entirely disagree with Triton's point about being worried because as we've under as we understand in this universe. Fish are sentient, mm-hmm. and they, they birth people, communicate with them, and we have great scenes with them later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these sentient beings are being captured and eaten by humans. By humans. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, Triton would see them as monsters, yeah. barbarians, and stuff like that. And I can't really blame him. I think that's and just common sense. As discussed from the prequel, we learned that his wife was killed yeah. in front of him and his children by humans. Right. So when Ariel Ariel was like a know, wee babe, a, maybe it's... she was maybe like two at the time, like she was an infant. Oh. What did we say? Uh, I I I just maybe I'm retroactively applying like my decades of watching animated movies <laughs> where the mother is always dead for some reason that pushes the plot forward. But I don't know. I kind of I kind of guess like you can kind of tell like you get yeah. that. Even without analyzing it, like, on the surface, yeah, he's angry, but you get that Triton's afraid. Because yeah. mm-hmm. there, there's a point where... And then you surmise that it's because of his wife or so, who's yeah, yeah, yeah. mysteriously Cause absent. Because it's never said explicitly in this movie where Ariel's mother is, and you can just imply by the way he's so, like, defensive. Because like, look at how he's also the sympathy. He's like, do you really... I, I don't want to see my baby girl... Caught on a fish eater's hook. Mm-hmm. Like, oh... Like clearly, yeah, he, he seems things. Like even yeah. if we if we took the prequels, if we took the prequels out of it, because again, I know what you're talking about. There, she apparently she died in an accident, right? Like, I it was believe an accident. it was an accident. It, this this it, this could be inferred as if we take the prequels out of it that she got harpooned or something. Like yeah. honestly, like she was right. caught and yeah. taken to it, the surface. Within the context of the first movie, it's like that's why I say he's yeah. afraid of something. Yeah, and I'm, and then you. I'm pretty sure even as a kid, I was like talking about the Little Mermaid in like elementary school and I'm like yeah well you know cause like Triton's <laughs> wife was killed by humans and that's why he's scared of the humans and he doesn't want Ariel to love the humans because he's scared of them because they killed his wife <laughs> this is my conclusion yeah session. that's that's my representation of three year old Angie in elementary school three year old Angie had cannon accepted just to jump ahead a little bit absolutely I, um he, the fish eater's hook and, and everything. I, I was kind of joking, but also serious. Like, the the song Under the Sea is very fun and whimsical and Calypso and yay, but the whole thing's just about, like, don't get eaten. 
that's, that's, the, the song is about what's wrong with the surface is they'll eat you. Yeah. yeah. Their choices are live under the ocean or be eaten. And like that's what the Don't go through the surface area. Yeah. Or they're gonna eat your and face. And so King Triton <laughs> King Triton has uh conditioned everyone to believe that like that's <laughs> Yeah. Those are your choices. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway. But Ariel's too young. Ariel doesn't have the reality of that situation. She just sees a, interesting. a something something interesting. She sees but stuff she's interested in. This is the important part because But let's we, get to the what hmm? when we get to the cavern she gets into the caverns and Sebastian sees she's collected a lot of human stuff and by the and this is the part of your world part. Basically, but the reason why I think this part is also extremely important because that you know that whole theme that we're going on like Ariel is just selling her legs to a man. Not true. Not true. Because this proves she had an interest in the human world and not just humans. She's always wanted to be human. Yeah. This is like it's this is the establishing part where it's like she's wanted this. This is something she's passionate about. Like the. Basically, her her crush on Eric is just that tipping point. That's it. Yeah. It's an extension yeah, of her... because she said she'd I never have... been cl- this close to a human before. The best she could do was all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And now she's like, well, oh, well, humans are real. And Eric's, and... An, Eric's an extension of her hobby, so I mean... Yeah, like, I have always made that <laughs> argument, but as as I've gotten older and, and rewatched the movie and, and sort of, you know, developed my relationship with with my family and realized what it is about the movie that really draws me to it, I'm going to throw my hat back in the ring for the fact that this movie is actually about Ariel and her father and not Ariel and Eric. Right? I, I was... <laughs> I think it's I'll... not because, especially because she's 16. The, the trigger is not... I maintain that had that statue not been destroyed, Ariel would have been perfectly content continuing to live out her fantasies with her statue, Eric, and all of her human stuff. It is the fight with her father that is the actual tipping point. That's true. That pushes her that to run away I wanna, and pursue this fantasy life with yeah. the humans. I want to agree with you real quick on two points. Uh, one of the next things she says, the next thing she says, minus, you know, go, leave me alone, go away, is, oh, well, why don't you tell my father? You're good at that. Clearly, it's a resentment. And then, I was gonna make a joke about this earlier, um, and, and it's actually a good point to bring this up. The last line in the movie, wrapping it all back up, is about the relationship with her father. Almost as if, that's what the movie's about. Yeah. Not literally the last crap about her voice. shot of the movie <laughs> is Triton watching his daughter sail off into the sunset. Yeah. yeah. The and last thing that you see before the credits roll is just Triton and his daughter on a boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the part of your world song. I, <laughs> Yay. I, okay. First of all, this is the song that won the Academy Award, but okay. It was nearly cut. Yeah, they almost Ugh. silenced her voice. Oh my god. So, Jeffrey <laughs> Katzenberg. Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> Everyone's friend, Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> felt that oh. it, he felt that it was boring and that it would go. You're boring! And that it would go over kids' heads. And also. You go over kids' heads, Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> although there was a test screening and kids were kind of restless during that part. Um, which oh yeah! Did, it didn't have finished animation at the time either. Yeah. From from what I understand, I believe it was Waking Sleeping Beauty that they they talked about it a bit. They had done some test screenings, and the kids had gone very silent in the theater during part of your world. Uh, and Katzenberg saw that screening and was like, "Kids are bored. 
They're not. Well, no, there is a point. They were restless. Like, they were kind of like, eh. And then actually one kid dropped his popcorn and was like, was more concentrated on picking up the popcorn than he was on that scene. Yeah. He was like convinced the kids were like bored. But, and he thought it was the song. But uh, you got Ron Clemens, John Musker, and Howard Ashman like, please, we have to keep the song. It's very important. And, uh,. Because that's what the movie's about? So Glenn King, uh, by the way, Glenn King is the animator uh, is uh, for the one, and actually, he's going to play a big role in the Disney Princess saga. He, like, he animated Ariel beautifully. Fun fact. Ariel was the first, like, human character he animated. Which is really cool. Before then, he did uh, Animals and Monsters. That is true. Uh-huh. Um, so... I'm proud of you, because, I, I mean, I know... He's heavily inspired by his daughter. Aww. So, they... This is... The, sorry, you know, go ahead. Because you were... You were I, wanna, I, there's, I, have a, I have a big personal point about this song that I want to touch on, but go ahead. So, they said, screen it in front of an adult audience, and they did, and the adult audience were moved. Like, they were mm-hmm. just in shock, and were just in awe. So, what they did to keep the kids restless, so, what Glenn King, or, like, some of the animators say is... They added, like, the tiny parts, like, uh, where, like, some of the slapstick parts with, like, um, Sebastian and all yeah. that. And that caught their enough of their attention. That song, and the, I'm glad they kept that song in, because... Kids are stupid. Well, <laughs> it's, you do have to keep their attention. Kids like a funny crab doing funny things. Yeah. You have to keep their attention. You already got their ticket money. <laughs> I, know, I know one of the things that they, they talked about... Um, was that it? It's really important in a musical. Going back to The Little Mermaid being sort of one of the f- the first Disney <clears throat> movies that really followed the musical formula. Yeah, there is always a ballad. Yes, at this specific point in the arc yeah. that emotionally connects you to the character. Howard Ashman calls it the "I Want" song, and that that's what this yeah. is, and that's what leads to more "I Want" songs after this. Um, you were right about the the audience reaction, though, because again, I can remember how I said watching this as an adult, I had I I had it, I appreciated it from a completely different context. Mm-hmm. There's the moments where she's like floating around, swirling, like lying on the the floor with her hair oh, going yeah, around. Yeah. The animation is so beautiful and it's so exquisite. Fluid. The way her hair moves and the way her face, like the way she conveys emotions, the way she swims. I'm like, there's I I feel it. Like, this is a, there's, there's something about this scene that, like, this time, more than any other time, really spoke to me, me. Like, I felt, like, the yearning and the, like, fantasy of it and, like, really came across. She's in a place where she's really comfortable. She's surrounded by all these treasures she collected. This is her space. She can really be herself. She can be herself in this space. And she, she, she seems relaxed. She seems luxuriant. She's almost seemed like, you ever have that feeling when you, like, climb into bed at night? And you're like, have that little giddy feeling. Like, oh, I'm in bed and I'm so comfy. I don't know. Yeah. That might just, yeah. <laughs> yes. I get that vibe from Ariel a little bit. Like, this yeah. is just, this is, this is my happy place. You know, I, I don't want to, I know I could harp on this forever. And the, the reason I can harp on this forever is because I can't, I can't properly find the way to explain beyond the song makes you feel something. And I saw yeah, you. Does trying to you said kind of the same thing and i not to shoot you down or anything but i feel like you you got like 98 percent of the way to saying what you wanted to say yeah i'm like not and quite but that's the magic of that song mm-hmm. is you just you you 
feel. I won't say that you feel sad or happy, <clears throat> and I won't use the word emotional because that's cliche. Anyway, but like, I don't want to say I feel the yearning so much because it's not well, so the much. The song makes you feel feels. something because yeah. it's real. Jody is real, mm-hmm. and so, Ariel is oh, real, so and jo- the animation accompaniment is real, oh. and you just you can't explain it. So and that's why that song is so iconic because you cannot explain it. And I, I wanted to jump in because I saw Dave. David doing whatever. Thank doing. you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you really feel her yearning. And yeah. You, you, you do. want it for her. Like yeah. you, I want you that. see how badly she wants it. Oh, that yeah. Like, I want you to have this. I want like, that why? little mermaid to why? be happy. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because she just wants it so much. <laughs> Jody, Didn't, haven't we all the, felt like that? So Jodie Benson is the voice actress and singer for this, and she nails it. So well. By the way, uh, she did. She sang the song with the lights off because she wanted to get that cavern feel. Aww. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh wow. Cool fact. Another little factoid, because uh, you mentioned specifically her hair. Yeah. In that scene, uh, when we saw Glenn Keane at a screening of The Little Mermaid, he he mentioned his struggles with that scene specifically, and he was like, "I can't do this. I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to make it real." Until he saw. It, like NASA footage of oh, a woman in Sally space. Ride. I I don't remember her yeah. name, but he was like, "Oh, this is it! <laughs> this weightless hair! Yeah. I can do this now!" And that was inspired by some anti gravity footage. <laughs> That's great, though. I, I, I love did, that. I did read somewhere like they uh, that helped. He would watch some footage of Sally Ride, and that helped. So I also want to say, for me, the the one shot like the one moment in that song or i guess it totally happens twice but the the thing that always stuck out to me in that song and is like the pinnacle of that scene to me are the moments where she swims up to the little hole at the top of her cavern mm-hmm. and reaches out like oh, that is yeah. it's like a raccoon just... trying reaching through her face <laughs> the most snack. striking imagery it is because she is literally trapped under the ocean by this tiny hole that's keeping her in her cavern, and she's just reaching just past that to reach this unreachable Goal. fantasy. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Yeah. Mm-hmm. But guess what? There's a ship. There's it's a ship. It's our friend. It's our friend. The, sh- the CGI ship from earlier. <laughs> but now it's nighttime, and there's fireworks because I guess it's Prince Eric's birthday. Yes, it is Prince Eric's As birthday. As we discover when they reveal his birthday present. And this time, she'll, it's like... Really it's really... Yeah, I, I, commissioned, I commissioned it myself. Are they on a... Now, we get to establish the reason they're on this boat and they're on this ship and they're on this voyage is because they were taking him to meet a princess in another yes. kingdom. Yeah. They're on their way back. Is they're on their correct? way back. Yes. And they didn't Because like he blew her off. Yeah. Yes. He's like, I'm not interested in this arranged marriage. This is where we, we actually kind of get to know Eric a little more, which is yep. good because not a lot of... Prior to this, not a lot of the the prince characters got a ton of... Uh, development? Development. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember... They didn't really have personality. Yeah. yeah. I remember trying to get argued on that Prince Philip from Sleeping Beauty was like... Was was this the story? Yeah. Where he's so... He's the best prince. He's so useful and no. the best. And then I saw Sleeping Beauty and I'm like, what? No. Yeah, I did know I'm things. still mad at you for that because I was one of those people that was on the camp of like, Philip is the best prince because he actually did You're something. So like, he actually like has control over his story and then we sat and watched Sleeping Beauty and I was like, did you like it? And he's like, you're such a liar. He didn't do anything. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the fairies broke him out of prison. Yes. The yes. fairies enchanted his shield yes. so that he could protect himself. And the fairies enchanted his sword to fly into Maleficent's heart. The hell did he do? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, 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 I
I mean, we we uh, we established in our episode on Sleeping Beauty that really the movie is just about the three fairies it is. being yeah. absolute pros because of the best characters. Yeah, yeah. See, and they, 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 and Maleficent. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. It's I'm about a spat between fairies. It is. That's really what it is. It really and the is. humans that are caught in the middle of their crosswords. Yes. <laughs> so accurate. Yeah, it was their fighting that like was the signal flare for the thing in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. But I just wanted okay, I just wanted to Yeah, no no no, that's fair. But I the point is Speaking that it's cool flares. about Eric having a development at all. He can he's not the main character, but he has he has uh, more going for him than he has, he has a role. I mean, he, he really does, does play a large part in forwarding the plot. Like mm-hmm. he, he really isn't there as a plot device. Yes. Like mm-hmm. he, like any of the, all the other princes, kind of even Philip are like plot devices. Yeah, they exactly. Are. Yeah, they're there because they needed a male body to be there. Right. I mean, the prince from Snow White, the prince from um, Cinderella. Just yeah. like oh, Cinderella's is so. Boring, yeah. like that. Bog. Like he doesn't. He talks like a few times, and I'm we hear him so sing, and we hear him have some dialogue, and that's it. See, that disappoints me because Cinderella is like, such a great princess, and I'm like, <clears throat> okay. Anyway, she's fine. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of speaking of um, flares, though, fireworks! Yay! yay! Oh, Ariel sees them. Yay! That's another beautiful shot. And then you see the ship and the moon. The moon reflected on the ocean, and the fireworks going off, and she's yeah. watching all this, and she's like, ooh. And she's, by the way, this is her throwing caution to the winds and just going to check it out. And this yeah. is right after Sebastian showed up. Yeah, and it was like, yeah. what are you thinking? And he's, she's just like, ah, screw it. Goes this <laughs> Here, I just had this beautiful I want song. Now's an opportunity for me to see something cool. Whoop. So it's yeah. the, the yearning is immediately met by, ooh, a cool thing to look at. So And uh, I, I like that. So, uh, Prince Eric has a dog named Max, and it's the fluffiest, most adorable dog. Max. He's so precious. Yes. And, like, I like that you can tell that he actually has a liking towards her. Like, dogs just know. Um, Yeah. He is instantly drawn to her. (laughs) Gives her a big, sloppy, wet kiss on the cheek. I I like that you brought up, like, how she doesn't really know a difference between humans. (laughs) Like, I I love... She's like, isn't he so handsome? And this guy's like, I don't know, he's kind of hairy and slobbery. And she's like, not that one. Yeah. <laughs> the one playing the snark. No, like the fact that she says, not that, that one. one. Like she thinks the dog is a human. So I'm like, does she think they're the same thing? Or does she just not know what the dog is if she doesn't know how to refer to it? That's true. Yeah, has she, has she ever thought of the, the idea that, that that human may be just a catch-all term for everything that lives on the surface? Right. Yeah, that's And, like, if, if Scuttle is her her unending knowledge of everything Ooh. human, and he thinks that the dog is a human, oh. then obviously she's going to listen to Scuttle and go, she trusts Scuttle. Oh, clearly they're the same thing. <laughs> I just, uh, I want the movie that happens in between The Little Mermaid and The Little Mermaid 2, where <laughs> Eric has to teach Ariel all yeah. the actual <laughs> stuff <laughs> about the human so, world. Honey, honey, that's a fork. <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll do you one better. I want it to be a movie between the climax where they defeat Ursula and when they get married with the delicate political machinations that come with, like, oh the fact gosh. that this is now a marriage between yes. these two yeah. worlds. <laughs> Because yeah, think right. about it, Triton's all good with it, but we don't see that transition. Because now you've got ages of like ages of like 
uh, t- fear and superstition between these two races. Yeah. Okay, I oh we're jumping so far ahead. Okay, we'll get to that. Um, so, so I would like that. Anyway, but yeah, he gets a statue for his birthday, and, and then he, he doesn't like it. He's trying to be nice to Grimsby, but he yeah. not no no thank uh, you. It's, it's a little it's a little pompous. It's a little much. It's a, a lot. Much. I mean, it's a nice moment because it it does really develop him as a character, and it emphasizes why Ariel would be so drawn to him, because he also doesn't care about the stuffy royalty stuff. Yeah. He doesn't care about being a prince, he doesn't care about having big yeah. statues All of the big castle. Like, like the one thing he, he like, just wants to be himself and adventure and enjoy the ocean. Because that has yeah. been proven, like, he actually helps out with, like, this, especially in the beginning, like, you see him helping out with the sailing and actually doing stuff. He loves sailing, and then, yeah. not only that, during this part, he's the one playing the music Music and along with da- and getting the people dancing, like so he's just as much a part of the crew as he is their leader. Yes. there's a there's a big hint of that in the first scene too because he's he's hauling rope and he's doing stuff with the crew while Grimsby is throwing up over the side of yeah. the ship. Yeah, so uh, clearly Grimsby he's... is more the prince. Than oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's having a grand old time, and, and it, it's great that Eric just wants to be, like, in with the people. That yes. Grimsby is Eric's flounder, in a way. Oh! He's just there to... Because sh- prior to him, like, all the princes were just like, yes, I do prince things, and I ride in my carriage. So... Now we have to show that Eric is not that, and yeah. we can't just have Eric hauling rope around. We need this stuffy guy <coughs> to be like, no, like, be a prince, please. Mary! Yeah. I also like that Eric is, um, you know, the whole thing, like, look, I just, it's not that I don't want to, like, find a girl to settle down with at some point, I just haven't found the right one yet. I just, yeah. when it comes along, it'll happen, but I'm just, he's not rushing to find anyone. Yeah. Even though other people are like, come on, get married. Produce offspring, keep the royal line going. He he wants to really feel that connection. And I also like to think, based on how he is developed as a person, he wants to find someone who's as adventurous as he is. Yeah. He doesn't want some stuffy princess who's going to want to just sit there and, like, do diplomatic things and needlepoint and shit. And guess he what? She's sitting right go under, sailing. And she's sitting right under the scuppers. Yeah, like, right she's there. And they don't, I like love that scene that she's like, from him. she's got her like, her her tail fin like wrapped up. Like she's holding oh, her no. tail fin like this. like And she's listening to this. And I'm like, and she's smiling. And I'm like, this is so sweet. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And that's, an, here's another interesting thing. Because they're like, oh, she only fell in love with uh, his looks. She's not looking at him. She or she's kind of looking up, but she can't really see him. She's listening to him, yeah, and she's connecting with him by how what he's talking about. So there, it's more than just oh, he's attractive. She she likes his personality. Yeah, yeah. For the, the bits she picks up from that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like she she really listens into his entire conversation, and like quite frankly. Attraction happens first physically, like, let's yeah. Well, I mean, she's looking at him, and she's like, mm-mm. She's like, wow. She calls him handsome. He's really yeah. handsome. he's really And handsome. then she sits there and listens to the way that he talks about the life that he wants to live, and, and the way that he wants to rule, and she's very attracted to that mindset. She's like, okay, column A already filled. Ooh, column no. B starting to fill, too. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the mood to help you, dude, if you ain't like you were saying, they spent all this time establishing how she is interested in how humans live, and she she didn't speak once about how I want a handsome guy no. to, you know, run no. away with and bang. Like, she was like, no, like, what do humans do? And this guy talked about, yeah. he also wants to explore what humans do yeah. and live that way, and yeah. 
Again, no mention of uh, voices or. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then of course he says, he's like, I'll know it when I see her. It'll bam hit me like lightning. And then of course, storm happens, and you know those uh, sailors are looking at him like, why did you have to say that? <laughs> Don't you know how oh, superstitious King Triton, we are? King Triton's mad. Well, I mean, King Triton is it's emotional. Is emotional. So yeah, of course. And uh, by the way, I feel like this is a um, what you, it, like the worst thing that can possibly happen. There, what's the uh, Murphy's law? Because it's like suddenly there's lightning. Suddenly, and then the waves are going crazy, and then the ship catches on fire, and then they get hit by rocks. It's like. Wow! And then the and then the fire hits the the gunpowder and the, yeah. and ship the fireworks explodes. and the ship explodes like and everything bad that happens. Eric has to like climb back onto the ship to save his dog. But he's a good guy. He, yeah, if you needed any evidence that any further evidence that Eric is a good is a good guy, he's jumping in the water. He's he's trying he's trying to keep the ship. He's like actually running around helping the crew. He takes the helm when the one guy gets yeah. blown to the side. And then that doesn't work. He goes out of his way to try and save the crew. He saves Grimsby, pulls Grimsby into the boat, and and then then he goes back to Max. He sees that Max is still on the ship and is like, one of my crew members is still on board, man. Gotta go save him. Yep. And then uh, he, he, some stuff blows up while he's on the ship and he gets thrown in the water and now it's his turn to get rescued while he's unconscious by, by Ariel. Yeah. Yes. happened to be watching the whole Who thing. Has insane upper arm strength. Yes, she does. As well, we see which, twice in the movie. Well. Yeah, wouldn't you have to be though if you lived, if you I, lived underwater your entire And you're life? swimming. Well, if she has a powerful tail, you don't necessarily <clears throat> need strength in your arms to propel yourself forward. I just, I just, just figured that all mer people have supernatural strength. Like, just because. That's true. They're, it's, they're, I don't know. Uh, Speaking of someone uh, who made it all the way to lifeguard training, uh, yeah. um, your legs key. actually propel you no, that water is true. a lot more than your arms that, do. That or, they, that or Eric is just really light and very buoyant. Because, you know, he was floating pretty well there I mean, like, it is water and it does kind of mess up gravity and whatever. Yeah. But also, we literally watch her climb up a plank. That's true. Later in the so movie. So she does oh, have true. really good upper... But then again, so she's Ariel not crazy out. biceps. Ariel flexes. <laughs> Ariel flexes. I think that's the point you're trying to make. Ariel, Ariel flexes. Um, so yeah, she she rescues him, gets him to shore, because I guess they weren't so far from shore that they couldn't make it. And then Presumably. Presumably. And he's... He <laughs> he's lying there, and Scuttle, of course, is like she's like, is he alive? And there's that awkward part where he pulls both his eyelids open. Oh open. yeah, it's so that made weird. me uncomfortable. I have a thing with eyes and uh, eye weirdness. I don't know. So there is a po- very disturbing. There is a point uh, where they're like, is he dead? And then she, he, Scuttle puts his foot to his ear, and he's like, oh, I don't hear a heartbeat. So there is a point like. I, I think I was joking with you, David. Like, I was like, oh, no. Like, this was early on in our relationship. Like, I pretended to be dead or something, like, sitting on the couch. And you lifted your my foot up to your ear, and you're like, I don't hear a heart. <laughs> and that's when I knew, like, oh, he, I'm going to like this guy. Huh? He's I, a keeper. <laughs> he's a keeper. Um, so he's just secretly in defeat. But then she, excuse. <laughs> she knows he's breathing. There is some foot stuff. <laughs> In here. I'm sorry. What? 
Go on. <laughs> I'll mention it later. I was joke. I joked with everybody because there's the part where I'll get to. I'll get to that part. I'll point out. There's just, a lot of detail in the feet in yes. this movie. In this this one, there's in particular this one part. But yeah. Um, so. But yeah. So she of she course sings sees that him. he's breathing, and we get the most beautiful song in the entire movie. Nice surprise. The surprises are just the, amazing. I. I, I Honestly, um, like that reprise is beautiful, but I think my the best reprise af- is right afterwards when she's on the rock. I think I like that one more than this I, one. But it's it's all connected yeah, at, at, on the at, soundtrack. Uh, it's the same track. All yes. okay, okay, yeah. So, so all together, yes, the all repri- together. The reprise is beautiful, and this is the best reprise of the whole movie. And um, it is truly spectacular. And we really like this is the moment where we really see Ariel solidifying that. This is something that she really wants. She yeah. wants to be human. She wants to find a way. And I, and I think she to get to the surface. I think it's because she realizes also this isn't just a fancy. This is actually something that could be obtainable. Like yeah, yeah. It may mm-hmm. seem impossible, but she got this close anyway. And the fact that she got yeah. that close, and she, and she didn't, didn't die. die. She and didn't die. die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wasn't instantly killed by humans, yeah. like her dad kept saying. She and she's it's like, like the dare program. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like I kind of like how during the song she's the first line is what what could I give to live where you are and it kind of zeroes in like it starts with a broader sense like ah I wish I was in your position because you live in this world and then it was like no I want to be in I not just want that I want to be in here with you yeah oh and now what what I would love it also if you noticed me the way I've been noticing you and it's like it's kind of like yeah. slowly bridging that gap. Yeah. You really feel like that whole evolution of her determination and of what she wants happens throughout the f- the very few lines of that song. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a very, very short sequence, but it does start out as very, very daydreaming. You know, what would I give to live where you are? Uh, what would I... Same, same. What would I do to stay same here beside, beside you? you? Like, it's very fantasy. Like, gosh, I wish I could stay here. I wish I could be here. And then you get that music swell. You get that moment of her on the rock and that determination yeah. of, I don't no, know you know what? I don't this know how. This is what I want. But I know something's starting right now. Yeah, I'm going to so find good. a way to come back to you. I am going to find a way to be with you. I will make this happen. Because I, I cared about your safety and like Grimsby who just wanders up and like, Oh, you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah. Eric, oh, look. And I, to, to me, that as, as a young Babu, that song... <laughs> Babu Jones. Back then and, and even now listening to that song, that to me is is romantic love like personified in, in music form. Mm-hmm. Of that just determination when you find that person that you really connect with and really want to be with. Of like being willing to cross oceans right to be with that person and, and while and while again while the logistics of it again this is still a 16 year old but i'm not denying that that feeling isn't real like yeah. she yeah. feels it real and it's strong and it's strong for her and in her 16 year old mind she's like this is what i want yeah and i will not begrudge her for that feeling yeah oh. exactly oh and of course let's be honest this part where she lifts up in the waist Behind her. While she's he's belting out the most biggest line and no one on the shore notices her. Except <laughs> yeah. for Max. Yeah. Max is still like, hey guys, where are you going? There's a lady on a rock. She's singing. She's just singing in a higher frequency. At the top of her lungs, she has propelled herself to where her her hips 
all the way up yeah. are above this rock and yeah. visible. There Dem- is a Dem- giant Fishes. wave crashing. Yes. Dem- and Fishes. they pull away to reveal that Grimsby and Eric are like <laughs> ten feet away. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the splash that muffled out her. By the way, uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently. Question, did you it was Daryl Hannah's splash. <laughs> did you ever do that like as a kid, like pretended to do obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> That's how I get out of pools. Yes, almost every time. <laughs> Building the world of war. 